you may be seated, you are about to hear a six-point sermon. Oh, boy. What time is he going to get done with that? Well, don't... It'll probably be about the normal time I preach. Uh, Don't feel too bad. But I'd like to read scripture related to the third point, which is Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 52. We'll take a look at that in a few moments. Let me read it for you now. Luke chapter 2, 21 through, excuse me, 41 through 52. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover, And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking the questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw it, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Mother's Day. So we're going to consider a quite unique mother, the one termed Blessed among women, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Most of you probably know the Roman Catholic teaching about her. She's been turned mother of God, queen of heaven, bride of the Holy Spirit, mediator between God and man, and even sinless without sin. But today, in God's Word, Evangelicals and Protestants take a little different view of this. We'll find that she exhibited wonderful qualities of motherhood, but also she will help us understand the gospel itself, that Jesus Christ came to deliver sinners and all who by faith receive him receive eternal life. I'd like to go back now to Luke chapter 1, and the first thing we want to notice about Mary was her faith. Why did the Lord choose Mary to be the one who would carry the Son of God in her womb. After all, she was a nobody, a member of a conquered race, living in an obscure town. Bible scholars think she probably was in her teens, late teens. However, she has some things going for her. First of all, she was a Jewess, and the Messiah was to come from the tribe of Judah. Secondly, she was of the line of David, and there are many promises in the Old Testament that the Messiah would come from the descendants of David. But especially, she was a believer in the Messiah. In chapter 1, verse 28, when the angel came to her, said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. She was a young woman of faith. And as we read on in this 
It's a very familiar passage to many of you. She was a woman of obedience. And faith and obedience always go together. You cannot have one without the other. Look at verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She is ready to follow the instructions of the angel Gabriel. We also know she was devoted to Scripture. And keep in mind, most of the Scripture of that day was learned by memory. It was on scrolls, but not everybody had access to a scroll. And so much of it was memorized. And the Old Testament had saturated her soul. And that is reflected there down in verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord. Verse 55. She speaks about Abraham and his offspring forever, that God revealed himself to him. So she was well acquainted with the scripture. So interestingly and remarkably, the Son of God entered human history by the maternal gate. And Mary was a faithful mother in carrying Jesus in her womb for the full nine-month period. Her body was the tabernacle, if you will, for the fetal stage of the Son of God. She provided physical nourishment as well as protection. Of course, this care would continue for many, many years ahead. Keep in mind, her her motherhood was very costly. It almost cost her her son Joseph. What am I going to tell him? And also, it cost her her reputation in Nazareth when people would be gossiping about her. But she was a very strong woman of faith. Number two, we want to consider her troubles. Luke chapter 2 at verse 34. Luke 2 at verse 34. The words of Simeon, he blessed them as they came to the temple to present their child. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. So Mary, right at the very beginning, was notified, tough days are coming, troublesome days are coming for you because of your son and what is going to happen from that. Now usually we apply this to the aspects of the cross and the crucifixion of Jesus, and it's certainly appropriate there. But I believe that the sword that Simeon speaks of began right here, hearing the the Simeon's words, and continued on in the years to come. Think right back at at that time, she had to flee King Herod, who was threatening to cure all the baby boys under two. They had to go all the way down to Egypt, and they had to make the arduous journey back to Nazareth. These were tough times right from the very beginning of this responsibility. Then think of the Nazareth years, the difficulties in training Jesus, her son, but also the son, S-O-N, of God. First, his helplessness, his bumps and bruises, the times he was ill, and she had to provide medical care for him, his aches and pains. Have you ever thought about this? The mistreatment that Jesus must have suffered as a very good boy, many would term him a Pollyanna, 
Oh, goodish two-shoes. Oh, good. Look at this little boy. Jesus, he thinks it's so good because he's so nice. And then Jesus would come home with tears in his eyes at times and say what happened to him. His mother would seek to cover him. How many tears did Mary uh, give during these years as Jesus grew up as a young boy and even as a, a teenager? And what about her mistreatment from her own relatives and neighbors? I mentioned this earlier. Gossip about her. Rumors uh, about being, Jesus being an illegitimate son. How many tears had she shed because of this, because of those kinds of troubles? Not an easy thing to be the mother of one who is so great. But Mary learned to endure those troubles, many about which the Bible is silent. We only have to use our imagination for that. Troubles do simply because of who Jesus was, the eternal Son of God, taking upon himself human nature, that he might be the Savior of his people. Mary, the mother. We find these constant troubles as they continue as we move through our next points. Number three, her indignation. Luke chapter 2, and this is what I read for you a moment ago, that passage in which they left Jesus in, behind in Jerusalem not knowing it. But I call your attention again to Mary's words when she, they finally found him in the temple. Look at verse 48. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Now I think you who are mothers here can identify with that. You've lost a child somewhere, you think? And where, where is he? Where is she? I remember uh, my sister was just a little girl, and I usually walked home with her from the school, but this particular day she didn't show up, so I came home. My mother said, where, where's Marie? She said, I don't know. She, so mother wondered. Well, then the, the hours go, went by. No Marie. No Marie. Where is she? Mother was, was by her side herself. And all of a sudden, shortly before dinner, her, she comes sauntering along back home, and mother was very indignant about what, what happened. What are you doing? What were you doing? She said, well, I just went home with a friend. We had a good time, and here I am. But my mother's very indignant. Mary shows her indignancy here at what Jesus had done. We must assume that Mary still had not fully grasped how unique Jesus was. Certainly she knew who he was, but not as how unique he was. The incident caught her by surprise, having been in many respects similar to other Nazareth children. It appears that she was not thinking too much about his differences. His differences. Evidently, evidently she was, he was not, she was not impressed with his wisdom as much as she was provoked by his apparent unconcern and with what he had done. So she rebuked him. Jesus replies in verse 49, Why were you looking for me? Why were you looking for me? His words sound somewhat like impudence and disrespect. But that's the point. He wanted to get across to her that while he was the son of Mary, he was also the son of God. And he had responsibilities to do. She had to start remembering this, and apparently it wasn't on her mind that much. And so this was one of the first things recorded in Scripture in which Jesus is going to confront Mary 
with the importance of the difference between her and him. Her as a mother, he as her son, yes. But more than simply her human son, the divine son of God. And to their credit, it seems like Mary, along with Joseph, took it well. We read that uh, although they didn't understand what he was saying, the, he came down with them and to Nazareth, and uh, his, Jesus was submissive to them. Notice that. And his mother treasured all these things up in her heart. So she was giving some thought to what Jesus had said, what this was all about. And perhaps it was at this time that she really began to face the fact that not he is very different, but he's different because he has come to this world for a purpose, to give his life for his people. Number four, her anxiety. For this, we go to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. First 10 verses have to do with the wedding feast. Now, those of you that know me know I'm not a big fan of weddings. I'll admit that right before you today. Uh, I've officiated them. I've walked my daughters down the aisle and led their ceremonies. So, you know, you have to do this. But they're not my favorite because there's so much hassle. Uh, and so and so, I remember I officiated a wedding in Salem, and uh, we were all set to go. It was outside. The sun was coming down. A lot of people were all ready to go, and there's a, a delay. What was the delay? Well, I found out later that one of the young boys in the uh, party, the wedding party, had forgotten his long pants. And his grandmother had to go 15 minutes home to get them and bring them back. So there we are sitting, waiting, waiting. Well, if you've ever been to a wedding, there's always somebody late, something's not on time. I don't like weddings. So here's Mary, and she was having this kind of experience that day. It was a big hassle going on because they had run out of wine. Now, this was a biggie in a wedding of those days because that was a main part of the, of the, uh, the food and, and beverage part of the wedding ceremony. And so um, we find that she, she was very concerned about this, and uh, again, she's very anxious about it. Now, notice how Jesus responds when she comes to him there in uh, verse number 3. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Now, the context seems to indicate that the implication of that is We've got a problem here, Jesus. We've run out of wine. There's still a lot of people milling around. We're going to be staying for a while. Um, shouldn't you be doing something about this? Or can you do something about this? This is a big problem. And I'm, I'm high-strung right now. I've had to deal with a lot of other things, too, and I've got this. So we find her anxiety. Now, we keep in mind her, his first miracle had not yet been done. How do we know that? Because we go down to verse uh, later in the, in the passage there, that this was the first miracle that Jesus had, had done. So she wasn't, but she probably expected that being the Messiah, he was able to do something, something, anything to solve the problem. And how does Jesus respond to her in verse 4? Woman, what does this have to do with me. Now, you are mothers here. How would you like it if you were talking to your son or, or daughter and they would mouth back like that? 
He'd look at you and say, woman, what right do you have to ask that of me? I'm busy. I got to go out and play. I got to play with my games. I got things to do. Well, is that what Jesus is saying here? First of all, keep in mind that in those days, the title woman was one of respect. We would think of the, uh, the pioneer father out in the plains. And uh, he li- he's had lunch, and he leaves, and he says, Woman, talking to his wife, I expect dinner at 5 o'clock, and I want the food to be hot. So, woman, do it. <laughs> but that's not the significance of the word woman in the New Testament time. It was a, a term of respect. I, but however still you think, well, shouldn't they have responded something like this? Oh, mother, I'm sorry to hear this. I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do. I'll try to help you. But instead, he says, what does this have to do with me? Really, that means, what do we have in common? Boy, that must have caused her to step back a little bit. What do you mean, what do we have in common? You're my son. I'm your mother. But Mary had to learn that the days of her subjection, of his subjection to her, were coming to an end. Isn't that true of mothers when the time comes when the child is ready to flee the nest? And it's hard to let that child go. Mary had to learn not just that Jesus was getting older, he now was about 30, but that there's another separation coming. So it was not her place, even by implication, to ask him to reveal his Messiahship. He goes on in that fourth verse, My hour has not yet come. We know this is something Jesus said over and over again to his disciples and to others. My hour has not yet come. His date with destiny, his date to go to the cross to give his life for sinners had not yet arrived. And in his three years of ministry, Jesus was always holding back a little bit, proclaiming that Messiahship, proclaiming who he was. Sometimes he performed a miracle and he said, now go and don't tell anybody. Strange thing. But he knew that his hour had not yet come. He alone would determine that date. So as he begins his public ministry with the first miracle here at Cana, he carefully was, but firmly was separating himself from Mary as her son. And we can only imagine what Mary's thoughts were when she realized that. And why did he do that? So that he could be her savior. He was breaking the old relationship so that he could replace it with a new and better relationship with her. Number five, her concern. For that, we go back to Matthew chapter 12. I'm also going to read a couple of verses in just a moment from Mark chapter 3. Point number five, her concern. It appears that Mary was influenced by her children. We know in John chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, that his brothers did not believe in him. 
His brothers, in fact, thought he was a little loony, saying these crazy things, going out with these crowds and doing this, even doing his, this miracle. We don't know how he did it, but he's doing it, and he's off his rocker. And Mary probably came under their influence a little bit. We must assume that she still had not fully grasped how unique Jesus was, but she was gradually learning, wasn't she? You must admit there were episodes in Mary's life which do not appear in the best light. Uh, impetuous, demanding, even irritable. In other words, she was a normal, sinful person like you and me. So we can identify with that, Ken. It's good that we humanize Mary a little bit here. Don't lift her up so high to forget she was a sinner like ourselves. Remember, she talked about Jesus, the Lord, my Savior. She had a sin problem as well as we do. Jesus wasn't saying here, and let's look at the, the text here, Matthew 12, verse 46. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. And so that person who heard their request came to Jesus and passed it on to him. And Jesus did not reply, oh, okay, tell her I'll be done in just a moment. Look what he says. Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother. Here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Hmm. She was concerned. She was faithful. Jesus did not say he didn't love her, but simply that he also had a love for others who did his will. You see, once again, Mary was trying to regulate his activities as Messiah with her mistaken human insight. This was the wrong time to try to interrupt Jesus when he was in his teaching ministry, no matter what she wanted to say to him. As we noted previously, she misunderstood Jesus and her relationship to him, even when she tried sincerely to stand helpfully at her side with her concern. Dr. George Staub has written these words, This was the burden and the sacrifice of motherhood for Mary. Nobody could say that it was a pleasant thing for her to carry, but it was precisely this burden and sacrifice that was her blessedness. For the glory and goodness of Mary's motherhood was the glory of her giving up so much. We're familiar with John 3.16. She needed that Savior, that God's gift to this world, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. She needed that. Number six, her devotion. John chapter 19. And this is the last pri primary text about Mary. I picked out the main or six key passages about Mary revealed in God's Word. This is the sixth one. And where do we find her as we come to John 19? At the foot of the cross. 
Let me read verses 25 through 27 for you. John 19. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, that would have been John, standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, there's that phrase again, that term, woman, he pointed to his not his head or whatever he could do to John. He said, behold your son. This is now your son. Get my eyes focused here where I am. There we go. When Jesus saw his mother and disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. It's remarkable, a remarkable phrase that she was standing at the cross. There's that she was standing at the cross there in verse number 25. She wasn't sitting. She wasn't cowering behind some rock somewhere. She was right there at the cross of Jesus, standing and looking at her crucified son. And as she stands there, I'm reminded of a, a little poem by Rudyard Kipling about his mother. It went like this. Mother of mine, oh mother of mine, if I was hanged on a hill, mother of mine, oh mother of mine, I know whose love would follow me still. That's Mary. Her son literally hanged on a hill on a cross. But there she was with her devotion to him. Yet what a test this moment was for her faith. Her son being cruelly tortured, murdered, and for no legitimate reason at all. Can we even begin to comprehend the anguish she suffered that day and she looked at Jesus on the cross. But in standing there looking at the cross, in effect, she takes her finger and asks us also to look at the cross. Look at Jesus, stand before the cross, even as she did. Christ's words to Mary and John have been foreshadowed, foreshadowed for this scene way back in the words of Simeon. Woman, John is now your son. John, and you are his mother. And John, she is your mother. You need to take care of her. Step by step, she had been prepared for this moment, a moment really of tender care and provision for Jesus, even though his suffering there on the cross. By implication, he is saying to her, you have been a wonderful mother, good, noble, true but now it is time for you to be my disciple. Mary was not sinless, far from it. Like all human beings, she was a sinner in need of salvation. 
She will be in heaven not because Jesus was her earthly son, but because he was her Savior, giving his life for her. With Paul in Galatians 6.14, she could have said, Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of my Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if Jesus told his own mother that she needed him to save her, this unique mother of all history, can there be any one of us who does not need him? Can any of you say, well, I don't think I really need Jesus. I don't think I really need trust in him. Mary did. Mary had to. She had to learn that. If anyone might have been excused for not believing in Jesus, surely it would be Mary. But he did not excuse her. And the result, although she lost him during the past several years, now she had found him back forever. Not as an earthly son, but a heavenly Savior and Lord. What is our last view of Mary in the Bible? Over in Acts chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, we find she was in a prayer meeting with the 11 disciples, other women, and my, look who else is there, Jesus' brothers. His brothers were at this prayer meeting. Along the way, maybe just looking at the cross, they had been convicted by the Holy Spirit and come to trust in Jesus as their Savior. What happened to Mary after this, we don't know. Um, we know that she lived with John for a while. And after living in Judea there, probably she moved with him to Ephesus. We know John went to Ephesus. And then she died there. But in dying there, what happened? Immediately, she saw her son again. Mary the mother. Her faith, her troubles, indignation, her anxiety, concern, and especially her devotion. She had a unique role in the plan of redemption, especially the virgin birth of Christ. If she did not carry Jesus as a virgin, we had had no Savior. Jesus would simply be a normal human being, not the Lord of all things. And we would have no hope of salvation and no hope of heaven. It would be nothing. But because of Mary's faithfulness, Jesus was able to fulfill his ministry, to go all the way to the cross, to give his life for sinners like us, that we, he might pay the penalty for our sins, so that we might be made right with the holy God. Oh, Mary, indeed, you have been blessed among all women. Join me in prayer. Our Father, we give you thanks for revealing Mary to us in the words of Scripture. We pray that we might learn from her, that we might also benefit from these passages that we've looked at briefly this morning. We ask our Father that we might not consider ourselves simply good enough to go to heaven, but that we need a Savior, Jesus, even as Mary needed that Savior. May our trust be in him alone, giving his life for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.